All right. You've heard the gospel in a nutshell. And we praise the Lord for what Jesus did for us on the cross. Now, I'm not as brave as Brother Davin, so I, I have to have something here I can hold on to when my knees get to knocking. So uh, just bear with me, and uh, we'll get through this together. Uh, sounds like uh, one of these uh, commercials for a lawyer, isn't it? Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn with me today to the 128th Psalm. Uh, 128th Psalm, and only six verses there. Uh, and if you, uh, in some Bibles, uh, not in this one I'm reading out of right now, but some Bibles, there is a heading to that. It says, God, the true head of the home. Uh, this is called the marriage prayer because it was often sung as Israelite weddings. God will reward you, uh, your devotion to him, and give you inner peace. So I thought about that for a Father's Day sermon, and uh, so I've chosen uh, Psalms 128. When you find Psalms 128, would you stand in honor of reading of God's word? And I believe she's got it on the board now. Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in his ways. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your sons will be like olive shoots around your table. Thus is the man blessed who fears the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion all the days of your life. And may you see the prosperity of Jerusalem. And may you live to see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. You may be seated. You know, just a few weeks ago, we celebrated Mother's Day. And we could not celebrate Mother's Day without uh, uh, saying something about that wonderful passage over in Proverbs 31 that says, Who can find a virtuous woman? Beginning in verse 10. You might want to look over there and just uh, look at that because I found a poem entitled, Who Can Find a Virtuous Man? How about that? The lady said, I didn't know there was one. Well, we found one. And uh, here it goes. Who can find a virtuous man? For his worth is far above chocolate. The heart of his wife safely trusts in him, for he does not mess around with bimbos. He does her good and not evil all the days of his life. He seeks motor oil and socket wrenches and willingly works with his hands. He rises up while it is night and makes coffee for the household and feeds the cats. He considers a stock and buys it, and from its profits he invests in a mutual fund. He girds himself with sensitivity and learns the art of listening. He perceives that his benefits are good and his lamp does not go out by night. He extends his hand to the poor, yea, he reaches out his hands to the needy, 
He is not afraid of the snow, for his household is stocked with batteries, a kerosene heater, and kidder litter for the icy spots. He takes interest in the laundry. Yea, he can weld an iron and a can of spray starch, and his socks always match. He remembers birthdays, writes his own cards, and helps with Christmas shopping and wrapping. He watches not overly much sports events. He does not eat the potato chips of idleness. His children rise up and call him daddy, especially when his wife is down with the flu. His wife also praises him saying, I can't believe he did the dishes all by himself. Charm is deceitful and hunkiness is passing. But the man who fears the Lord, he will be praised. So give him recognition for his labor and let him be praised when the women gathers for their outing event. I don't know who wrote that. I'm sure it does not fit the one in Proverbs 31. You know, I heard about a family who had a rescue dog and they tried to pick a name for him. His name was Danny. Danny had problems. I apologize to all the Dannys in the congregation. He had problems. The mother tried to get the two little girls, six and eight, to take care of Danny. But he was a handful. Finally, in desperation, mom said to the girls one day, we must find a new home for Danny. He growls and snarls at it all the time. He never seems to be in a good mood. He eats a lot and he's messy and he's very picky. He just doesn't fit in this family. So we've got to find a new home for Danny. The mom began to look for a home for Danny. She finally found a couple who were willing to take him so she knew how the girls, did not know how the girls would give uh, heed to the news of giving Danny away. And to her surprise, the girls were very okay with it. On the morning of the transition, mom thought it would be good to involve the girls in the process of giving Danny a new home. So she said, girls, go get Danny's dish for today we're going to take Danny to his new home. The girls looked puzzled for a bit. Then the eight-year-old said, oh no, mom, not the dog. I thought you said we were going to find a new home for daddy. Guys, we don't get much respect around the house, but I want to tell you something. The Word of God has high regard for a godly husband and a godly father. Psalms 128 is a good example of that. It gives us three characteristics or three traits that God brings blessings into our home if we do. The Bible tells us that God has a high regard for godly men. In ancient days, a godly man, the husband, the father, was the leader of the household. He was the priest of the family, and he was the prophet of the clan. When fathers spoke, things happened. I believe God tells us stories about godly dads because he has a high regard for dads. And why? Because earthly fathers are put here to model the relationship between God and the family. Someone has said God loves fathers because he is one. 
Psalm 128 tells uh, earthly fathers if they want the blessings of God on their family and they want their families to be strong, here are some things that they need to do, things that they need to consider. So what can earthly fathers do to obtain God's divine blessing on your family? Well, they're mentioned right here in Psalms 128. If you kind of jump down to verse 3, I never do anything in order. And so down in verse 3 is point number 1. He says, uh, uh, around your house, around your table. Around your house and around your table. What is that saying to us? It's saying that men, we ought to set a priority on our family. And if we're going to have a, a blessed home and a blessed marriage relationship and a blessed family, we need to set a priority on our home. God tells us that uh, it's around our house and around our table. And too many of us as men find successes and great joy in other things other than our family. Some of us are workaholics. Some of us are involved in recreation and and gaining possessions and in recognition. And we spend all of our time doing all of that to the neglect, neglect of our family. I remember as a young pastor, I had to say to my family one day, I'm sorry. I've spent too much time doing everything except taking care of my family. And so we get, we get caught up in the good things of life and we leave the better things and the best things of life dragging. So what is the first thing? The first thing is to set a priority on our family. We face great temptation to become so involved in other activities to the neglect of our family. Sometimes those things are very deceiving. I heard about a boss that called his young salesman in one day and said to him, he said, I'm giving you a bigger territory. I want you to make a whole lot more money than you're making now. And the young salesman began to protest slightly by saying, man, I'm already away from home four nights a week. And the boss said to him, young man, do you realize the chance I'm giving you to make a lot of money for your family? You see, the temptation is to make more money or to give more time to your family. When I read that illustration, I said, you know, four nights a week away from home is too much. But oftentimes we're tempted with more money, bigger territories, more of this and more of that. I wonder how important it is, more money or more family time. In order to have God's blessed home, fathers need to make their home and their family a priority. At times, God gets, uh, guys get so confused as what is godly. That's why he gives us wives. Sometimes our wife will say, honey, you need to stay home with the kids. We need to do this as a family. And that's a God thing. Because God is using your blessed wife to tell you you're spending too much time away from your family. That's why God gives us his word. If we stay in the word, we'll realize how important it is. If we gain the whole world and lose our families, we've lost it all. So first of all, the first thing that we need to do is realize that family has to be a priority in our lives. If we're going to have a blessed home 
and, and, and God's blessing on our families. It needs to be a priority. And then the psalmist emphasizes walking with God. Jump back up to verse 1. Walking with God. Walking in His way. Walking in His ways. It's emphasizing walking with God in ways according to His laws and statutes. And the whole idea is that we want to walk with God daily. In fact, in Genesis, in that first illustration when God created man and woman, the Scripture says that he walked with Adam in the cool of the day. It reminds me of the old hymn. He walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. That old hymn suggests that God wants to walk with us. The problem is we can't find time to walk and talk with God. You know, when I hear somebody say, well, you know, preacher, I'm just so busy I don't have time. I wonder... Did I miss something in the equation? Did God not give each one of us 24 hours in a day? How many of you got 25 hours in a day? Nobody? You see, we all got 24. It's not a matter of finding time. It's a matter of making time. It's got to be a priority in your life. You've got to decide that you will have to take time to walk with the Lord and talk with the Lord and spend time in prayer and spend time in Bible study. I love to study the Word of God. In fact, all of the staff around here will say, well, if you go in Brother Paul's office, he's always studying. Yeah, that's right, because I want to know all I can know about God because he's going to, I'm going to live with him for, throughout all eternity. I want to be familiar with him when I get there. And so we need to spend time with God in Bible study, alone time in prayer. How many of us have that alone time? You say, well, Brother Paul, I'm so busy. Have you ever thought about praying as you drive down the road? Now, I'm not talking about closing your eyes and putting your hands on the steering. Please don't do that. I'm on the road. You may kill me. You don't have to have your eyes closed and your hands folded and your knees bowed in order to pray. I tell the young people that I counsel with, I say, praying is like talking. It's like talking to God. You see, we can talk to one another. And God is leaning over the portals of heaven and listening to us as we pray. And He knows what we say. We can talk to Him like talking to a person. If we know Him, We can talk to him as one-on-one. Also being faithful to the church. It's important that you do that. I was cautioning our 8 o'clock group today. We've got 100 or more people out today. When visitors come to the church and they go into a Sunday school class and there's a little handful of folks there, what do they think? They think, well... Nobody cares about this class. When they come into the sanctuary and there's a handful of folks in the sanctuary, what do they think? Well, nobody cares about this church. That's why it's so important that we do what Hebrews encourages us to do, not to forsake the the assembling of ourselves together. And you do that even more as the, as the day approaches, the day of judgment. We're going to have to stand before God and give an account of our faithfulness to God. 
You may say, well, it's hot today. I don't think I'll go today. Well, there may be a visitor in your class. He looks around. There's nobody there except a handful of folks. We need to make time. We need to make time for for our Bible study. We need to make time for prayer. We need to make time for being faithful in the church, in Sunday school, and in, in a fellowship. We're to be the model before others of our commitment and our walk with God. The Crab family, the singing family, Larry Crab said one day, he said, the first memories I ever had of my dad was when he prayed. He prayed at the table. He prayed at family worship. The first memory of my dad was when he prayed. Guys, do you miss an opportunity to pray with your children? To pray around the table? If you are missing that opportunity, you're missing a blessing. So first of all, set a priority. Secondly, walk with God. Walk in His ways. And then thirdly, we need to we need to go right back to that first verse. Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord. Now the word fear scares us. It's not talking about being trembling before him, being weak need. It's, it's, a, it's a word that means to stand in awe of God. The place where it's used means that uh, we stand in awe of God. Now, there are other places where fear is mentioned. For instance, in Genesis 32 and 11, when Jacob was returning to meet Esau after 14 years of being absent from him, the, the guy that he had defrauded out of his birthright, he had cheated out of the, his blessing. The Bible says Jacob feared Esau. So he sent ambassadors to plead with, his, uh, with Esau for mercy and forgiveness. That fear was unfounded because when Esau came out with 400 soldiers ready to do battle, he came out with open arms and they embraced each other. You see, sometimes fear, the devil uses fear to keep us from doing things that we know we got to do, we need to do. You know, sometimes our fear gets in the way of being faithful. In Exodus chapter 10, it says, And Pharaoh, gripped by the ten plagues that had already fallen upon him, feared the word of God. In Deuteronomy 28, uh, God excused people from going to war who were fearful. In Psalms 103 and verse 11, As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for, him, for those that fear him. Psalm 103, 13 says, As a father hath compassion on his children, to the, the Lord has compassion on those that fear him. Now that hot Psalm 103 passage gives you a little clue. You see, those that fear God, he has compassion on them. Those two words seem like they're opposite. If we understand that God loves us with a holy love, if we understand that God loves us more than anything else in the world, then we, we're not fearful when we come before Him. We are, we stand in awe of His presence. Psalms 34 and 7 says, The angel of the Lord encamps around those that fear Him and delivers them. 
So if we fear God, we're assured that he loves us. He has compassion on us. And he assigns an angel to protect us. And he will make sure that we lack no good thing. Fear the Lord. Now, fearing God means, means fearing his disapproval more than anyone else's. You see, sometimes we're afraid what others are going to think of us. But the real question is, what does God think about us? That's the real question. It doesn't make any difference what other people think about us, as long as God thinks highly of us. The scripture says in 1 Kings 18, verses 3 and 4, Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. For it was so when Jezebel cut the prophets of, of the Lord off, that Obadiah hid a hundred prophets of God in a cave and fed them with water and bread. Obadiah feared the Lord more than he feared Jezebel. Jezebel was fearful, but she was not as big as God. And sometimes we allow our enemies to become so big in our eyes until we don't realize that we have a God who stands behind us. J.H. Newman wrote a poem. Time was I shrank from what was right for fear of what was wrong. I would not brave the sacred fight because the foe was strong. You see, if we fear God, we don't have to fear anything else. Godly fathers and husbands fear God, and when they fear God in the right way, nothing else on earth makes us afraid, and there's nothing no bigger than God. Oswald Chambers said, the remarkable thing about fearing God is that when we fear God, we fear nothing else. Whereas if we do not fear God, we fear everything else. Psalm 118, 4 9 through 9 says, Let those that fear the Lord now say, His love endures forever. In my anguish I cried out to the Lord, and the Lord answered me and set me in a safe place. The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I will look in triumph on my enemies. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. Now, the first aspect of fear is we stand in awe of God. We stand in reverence to God. Second thing about fear is that we must not take him for granted. On the other side of that coin, we can get cocky. We can say, God will do this for me because I ask him to. Every once in a while, I have people come up to me and say, Brother Paul, if you'll pray for me, God will do this. And I, I want to say, and why should he do that? Because I prayed. Oh, I'm going to pray okay, but I don't have any inroads to God. I can just plead your case. But God's not going to act. I'm not going to take God for granted. Because it's a dangerous thing to take God for granted. There's a story in, second, in, in 1 Samuel chapter 2 where uh, the sons of Eli, the high priest, Hophni and Phinehas were wicked men. And it was time to go out to war with the Philistines. And the Israelites were losing the battle. And the generals called for the Ark of the Covenant to be brought into the presence of the battle. And it was born there by Hophni and Phinehas. They were wicked men. 
The Israelites thought if they brought the Ark of the Covenant, they would be safe. They would win the battle. The Ark of the Covenant had become a rabbit's foot. How many of you ever carried a rabbit's foot? Well, I never have carried one, but I always, when I looked at the rabbit's foot, I was raised out in the country, I always looked at the rabbit's foot as being a good luck charm. The rabbit lost. Wasn't good for the rabbit, might be good for you, but it wasn't good for the rabbit, he lost. He lost his foot and probably everything else. And so that nothing about these sacred matters are like rabbit's foot. They're not fetishes. So they took the Ark of the Covenant out and the Israelites whipped the Israelites, or the, the Philistines whipped the Israelites and took the Ark of the Covenant and killed Hophni and Phinehas. Why did this happen? These were God's people. Why did it happen? This was the Ark of the Covenant, the symbol of where God dwelled. Why did it happen? Because first of all, they took him for granted. They treated the Ark of the Covenant like a rabbit's foot. And secondly, it was born by evil men. The spiritual leaders of Israel at that particular time were wicked men. And God exacted judgment because there's no such thing as a rabbit's foot in God's chest. And so there's things that we need to do in order to secure God's blessings, but we should never take him for granted. When I was a boy, my dad used to set boundaries. You didn't cross those boundaries because if you did, you got punished. Now, did I fear my dad? Yes, when I crossed the boundaries. Because I knew when I crossed the boundaries, I was going to get what he promised to give me when I crossed the boundaries. As long as I stayed within the boundaries, I did not fear my dad. Did I love my dad? Sure, because I knew that he had set those boundaries for my benefit. You know, God has set some boundaries. Those boundaries are contained in his precious word. He says, do not do this because it's harmful to you. Do this and you shall live. You see, God has set boundaries. As long as we're within the boundaries that God has set, we should not fear the Lord. We should trust the Lord. Love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. But when we step outside the boundaries, don't expect God to bail you out because the boundaries has been set for your benefit. I knew where the boundaries were. Sometimes I'd put my toe over the boundaries, like every kid does. And I knew what happened. When I put my toe over the boundaries, I'd see my dad coming. You see, God has given us boundaries. Listen to Hebrews 12, 7 through 10. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom the father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all are become partakers, then you are illegitimate and are not sons at all. You see, when we step outside the boundary and God smacks us on the head, we can't say, why'd you do that, God? I'm one of your children. You see, that's precisely why he dealt with you like that. 
He deals with you as sons. And when you're out of the boundaries, he corrects you. That's why he's, he's set, it, he set the boundaries to begin with. That's why he drew the lines. That's why he gave us the word. That's why he gave us the commandments. Now let's review. I like to review when I get through. Let's review. If we want to be a godly father and receive the blessings that, we want, that, that he wants to give us and give our families, what do we need to do? Well, first of all, I need to make my family the priority. That's what I need to do. That's what this psalm says. He says, uh, your wife will be fruitful of thine by the sides of thine house and thy children like olive plants around thy table. You see, if you want God's blessing, you start, start with the family. Secondly, I need to determine to walk with God no matter the circumstances. You see, it's awfully easy for us to walk with God when things are going great. When the bank account is stuffed, nobody's after us. When everything's, when we're in great health, it's not hard to walk with God. But what about when the bank account is empty? What about when the doctor says you've got to have surgery? What about when your family needs something you can't provide? What about it when it seems like everybody's turned against you? It's tough to be a Christian then, isn't it? You see, but that's when our real DNA comes out. That's when it really comes out. Oh, it don't come out when everything is going smooth, when you're flying down the road at 90 miles an hour and, and you've got a big bank account and, and you're healthy as a horse. That's not when it comes out. When it comes out is when you're in the hospital or the bank account is flat and your friends say nothing good about you. But you need determined to walk with God no matter the circumstances. No matter what the world says, no matter what, what the bank account says, no matter what the doctor says, you need to learn to walk with God on a day-by-day -day basis. That's when you get the blessings of the Lord. And then we need to have a proper fear of the Lord, to fear Him more than anyone else, to, to love Him more than anyone else, to reverence Him more than anyone else. Andrew Gillis wrote a poem entitled The Confessions to Father. Last night, my little boy confessed to me some childish wrong. And kneeling at my knee, he prayed with tears. Dear God, make me like daddy, wise and strong. I know you can. Then he slept. Then I knelt beside his bed and confessed my sins and prayed with low-bowed head, O oh God, make me a child like my child, pure, guileless, trusting thee with faith sincere. Sometimes we just got to say, God, Make me like a child. Make me have the kind of faith that a child has. 
Lord, make me have a clear conscience like a child has. Lord, make me a child. Do you want God's blessing on your family, on your life? Then you know what you need to do. The psalmist has told us, blessed is the man, the everyone that fears the Lord, walks in his ways. Your family is going to be uh, fruitful. Your children are going to be like olive plants around your table. Those that fear the Lord will be blessed. Then you'll live to see your children's children's children's. You know, my dad was a comical guy. When, our grand, when the grandkids came along, I think he loved them more than he did us. Because he was always paying attention to the grandkids. And one day he said, you know, there's a federal law for everything. There should be a federal law that you had to have your grandkids first. Now, I never did figure out how that could work. But he loved his grandkids. And I believe if he had lived long enough, he'd have liked to have seen his grandkids' kids. But he didn't live that long. He died at age 70. My youngest daughter was two. Never saw her grow up. Never saw her married. Never saw her children. I'm getting to enjoy those now. You want your home to be blessed? You want your life to be blessed? Guys, here's what you got to do. Make your family priority. Learn to walk with God on a daily basis and have a proper respect and fear of God. And he promises that you will be blessed and that you'll be able to see your children's children. And you'll have a long and happy life here on this earth. You know what you need to do. The ball is in your court. The opportunity to be a godly father and a godly husband is on your plate. You need to choose. To be obedient to God or to be unfaithful to Him. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, I thank you for the opportunity just to look at this beautiful psalm that tells us about your desire to bless families, to raise up godly men and godly husbands who will lead their families, who will be a model to their families who will be an example of the relationship that we have with you, dear Father. And I pray, dear Father, today, if there is one here that does not know Christ. You see, you can't walk with God unless you know Him. And so, Father, I pray that in the hearts and minds of those that are here under the sound of my voice, that have never come to know God in a very personal way, I pray, Lord, that you would touch their hearts even right now. And Father, that they would know that the only way they're going to know God is, first of all, to receive him. To receive what he did for us on the cross of Calvary. 
to provide a sin sacrifice for us to receive his son, Jesus, as our Lord and Savior. And I pray that today, that if that is not the case in their life, it will be the day of salvation. Father, there are others here that need to make other decisions. Lord, I know that there are some who've been attending our church who need to find a place of ministry, a place of service. And our church needs them, and they need our church. So, Father, I pray that you might bring about those decisions that you've already laid on their heart today. And Father, if there's one who is troubled and just needs to pray, help them to know that the altar is always open to come and lay down their burdens at the feet of Jesus. In the name of Christ, I pray.